Hey there, podcast listener. Steven here from the podcast you're currently listening to. You ever heard a podcast and think, I can do that? Well, maybe you can, or maybe you can't, or maybe I can help you get started with it. Hosting is the most expensive cost you'll have in a podcast, and that's why Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast. Really, they have everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. With Anchor's hosting, you can distribute your podcast to other listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a whole lot more. And if you think you can do a better job than I, record a podcast right now. There's very low risk involved. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to the Lazy Geeks, a weekly podcast that brings you news stories of the past week that may have slipped under your radar, why it's important, and without all that clickbait clutter. I'm Stephen Vargas, your host for this uh, first week of August. Yeah, I know. In 2020, we were over there complaining about how, oh my God, this year will never end. It's just dragging and dragging and dragging. And then all of a sudden, we're in 2021 and we're going, duh fuck did most of this year go and how did it go by so fast so i'm hopefully i'm here to kind of calm you all down and make you realize that this year kind of sucks i know it sucks for me personally so you know the sooner we can get past it the better off i think we all will be all right so uh before we get into the show today i wanted to remind all of you uh given that this particular show is actually recorded the week it's released. Um, all the other shows have been pre-recorded by about two two to three weeks. Um, so just letting you all know that our full podcast schedule resumes this week. So today will be the Lazy Geeks. On Tuesday will be the Truly Pointless Podcast. Wednesday will be a new episode of the Gen Xer. And Friday will be the away team so my two podcasts with adam both return this week so uh that's gonna be fun so we'll have a full set so if you are subscribed which i hope you are to all four shows your podcast feed is going to get lit this week all right so be ready for all that so that's going to be cool and fun (laughs) all right so with all of that how about we jump into some news this week So in a dramatic turn with implications for major Hollywood studios, Scarlett Johansson filed a lawsuit against the Walt Disney Company on Thursday, alleging that her contract was breached when Black Widow was released on Disney+. 
Marvel's Black Widow is among numerous event movies that debuted simultaneously on streaming and in theaters because of the pandemic. Johansson's complaint says Disney sacrificed the movie's box office potential in order to grow its streaming service. In a statement, Disney spokesperson responded, There is no merit whatsoever to this filing. The lawsuit is especially sad and distressing in its callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Disney has fully complied with with jo- Ms. Johansson's contract, and furthermore, the release of Black Widow on Disney Plus with Premier Access has significantly enhanced her ability to earn additional compensation on top of the $20 million she received to date. Um, the lawsuit was filed in the Los Angeles Superior Court. St- states that Black Widow had been guaranteed a wide theatrical release when Johansson signed her deal with Marvel. According to the complaint, Disney... Uh, tortoisely interfered with the deal for its own advantage. Why would Disney forego hundreds of millions of dollars in box office receipts by releasing the picture in theaters at a time when it knew the theatrical market was weak rather than waiting a few months for the market to recover, the complaint says. On um, On information and belief, the decision to do so was made at least in part because Disney saw an opportunity to promote its flagship subscription service using a picture and Ms. Johansson, thereby attracting new paying monthly subscribers, retaining existing ones, and establishing Disney Plus as a must-have service in an increasing competitive marketplace. Now, the article that this is linked to on uh, on um, the Hollywood Reporter goes into great depth about you know that she earned twenty million dollars to to pay this, but she was also like most big celebrities when they they go in for a big payday, usually get what's called back end deals, and what back end deals usually require is what's usually comes in back end deals is a percentage of box office, so. With streaming services, it's not specifically cut and dry as if they receive any back-end deals on streaming services. And when you release in a streaming service, as well as as well as the box office, you're actually dipping in. Now, this also co- goes in line with the, I guess, outcry from studios after Black Widow's big release its first weekend. It dropped dramatically in its second weekend, and a lot of movie studios were complaining that that was because of the Disney Plus. Now, keep in mind that Scarlett Johansson's back-end deal is no different than Robert Downey Jr.'s back-end deal or Will Smith when he does a big budget movie. He usually gets a back-end deal. And it would be the same thing if, let's say, they decided to release Infinity War and Endgame the same way, which means Robert Downey Jr., who received like 50 million the first time and I think over almost 80 million the second movie because he got a back end deal would have seen his his deal fall apart right after that and I guarantee you he would have sued so there is a there is a thing that with movie studios and I think this is going this is talk they're talking about that this is going to lead to a big change I see that because after a pandemic, studios like Warner Brothers and Disney Plus are doing the simultaneous release. Now, a lot of directors and actors are complaining about that because that will infringe on their back-end deal, meaning that they will receive less money from the box office. Also, if you remember last year, I think it was the Trolls movie that came out last year. 
uh, Justin Timberlake and somebody else was in that movie. Um, they sued Universal because they were supposed to, it was supposed to be a theatrical release and all of them, because they were big names, had back-end deals and it went straight to streaming service, which they saw, you know, Universal saw a lot of money in the streaming service, but that was going to cut into the de- the original agreements that all of these people made beforehand. Now, I know there's probably some of you out there that are probably going, hey, well, you know, the pandemic was going on and, uh, you know, that, you know, they should account for that. Okay, how about, let's say, you, you know, your, your job, you made a deal for this, and then, oh, well, the pandemic, so we're not going to actually pay you as much as we said we are, because it's the pandemic. I'm pretty sure a lot of you probably would be a little pissed off about that, too. So we'll definitely see how this works out and see if, um, what kind of implications this leads going forward. So this should be, this should be quite interesting. As production started on the current season of Doctor Who, rumors were swirling that that she would leave the role. Well, it's important to keep in mind that haters were saying that she was being fired after its first season. Well, three seasons seems to be the amount of time any Doctor stays in the role. And on Thursday, it was confirmed that Jodie Whittaker is leaving Doctor Who in 2022, and she won't be alone. Conservative viewers have been complaining that about the woke aspect of the series, like you hear about the new Star Trek series. Many forgot that they were pretty progressive back in the day. They just didn't know the difference. Well, after the upcoming 13th season completes, it will be followed by three feature-length specials, all leading to her final appearance in the fall of 2022. And if you kind of look back on it, that's kind of the way David Tennant left, too. He had his full... He had his full series, and then he had three specials leading to the Christmas special when he eventually left the role. Current showrunner Chris Shibnall will be following Whitaker out the door. It isn't something, this isn't something unusual. Many former doctors left the series when their showrunners did too, contrary to what some might say. David Tennant left when Russell T. Davies left. Peter Capaldi left when Stephen Moffat left. My heart is so full of love for the show, for the team who make it, for the fans who watch it, and for what it was brought to my and what it has brought to my life, Whitaker said in a statement. I cannot thank Chris enough for entrusting me with this incredible with these incredible stories. We knew we wanted to ride this wave side by side and pass on the baton together. So here we are, weeks away from wrapping one of the best jobs I have ever had. Jody and I made a three series and out packed with each other at the start of this once in a lifetime blast. So now our shift is done and we're heading back to handing back the TARDIS keys. Jody's magnificent iconic doctor has exceeded all of our high expectations. And that was by Chris Shibnall. So now the search begins for the 14th doctor. Now, one of the things you got to remember on this, too, is that a lot of people were complaining because she's a woman and all the stories were woke and all this other bullshit. Um, She did three series. Now, they said that during this current season that she's doing was very difficult because of the COVID protocols. They she they stated that they because of the COVID protocols and the time crunch to get it done, they weren't going to be able to do the full 13 episodes. And I think they're doing eight this season. And then doing three feature length later on, which I think will work probably more, um, will help kind of complete her full series. So um, I like Jodie Whittaker. I thought she was a great doctor, a great female doctor for everybody. And um, it's hard to believe it's been three seasons. It's going to be three series already. 
So, um, yeah, it'll be sad to see her go. But now it's time to hear the internet blow up about who is going to be the next Doctor. Marvel's Hawkeye gets a release date. So when production started earlier this year, everybody was wondering when Marvel's Hawkeye series would debut. In a surprise announcement, Marvel took to Twitter to announce that we have something to look forward to in the fall. The Jeremy Renner, Haley Steinfeld star will debut on Disney Plus on November 24th. This puts the project to debut after the end of Marvel's What If series, which will end in October. Jeremy Renner returns as Hawkeye with Steinfeld playing Kate Bishop. The plot is still kept under wraps, but that doesn't prevent the internet from speculating, which the internet is good at. Or is it? Now, fans will have some Marvel content to keep them busy until Hawkeye debuts with uh, the animated What If arrives on Disney Plus on August 11th and will run for 10 weeks through October 13th. Marvel Studios has yet to announce a release date for Ms. Marvel, which will introduce the popular teenage superhero Kamala Khan to the MCU at some point in quote-unquote late 2021. That's in addition to Marvel's theatrical releases for the rest of the year, including Shang-Chi and The Legends of the Ten Rings on September 3rd, Eternals on November 4th, and Spider-Man No Way Home on December 17th. As COVID held up the release of many of Marvel's films and television properties, fans will reap the onslaught benefits. Marvel's um, Marvel's Hawkeye will be the next live-action series since Loki concluded earlier this earlier in Ju- July. I suggest you keep track of all the online speculation regarding the series. Make a checklist so you can check off all. Um, if any of them actually worked out, this series and Spider-Man No Way Home have the largest amount of online speculation. I can't wait to see how many sites were wrong and wipe their sites clean of it. Uh, I mean, what does it matter, though? They all did it for clicks anyway. Amazon's Kindle e-readers with built-in 3G will begin to lose the ability to connect to the Internet on their own in the U.S. in December, according to an email sent to customers on Wednesday. The change is due to mobile carriers transitioning from older 2G and 3G networks to the newer 4 and 5Gs. For older Kindles without Wi-Fi, this could mean um, not connecting to the internet at all. If as good e-reader first noticed in June, new Kindle devices with 4G support should be fine, but the older devices that shipped with support for 5G and Wi-Fi-like the Kindle Keyboard, 3rd generation, Kindle Touch, 4th generation, Kindle Paperwhite, 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th generation, Kindle Voyage, 7th generation, and Kindle Oasis, 8th generation users will be stuck with Wi-Fi only. In its email announcement, Amazon stressed that you can still enjoy the content you already own and have downloaded onto these devices. You just won't be able to download new books from the Kindle store unless you're doing it over Wi-Fi. So uh, the the things get more complicated for Amazon's older Kindles, like the Kindle first, second generation, and the Kindle DX second generation. Since those devices rely solely on 2 or 3G internet connectivity, once the networks are shut down, the only way to get new content on to your device is through the old-fashioned micro USB cable. Talk about a drag. In the email to The Verge, Amazon said it uh, has few different options for active customers with um, impacted devices outside of the company's usual trade-in options. According to Amazon, if you're eligible, meaning you read one of the older Kindles between January 1st and uh, 
you've read on the on one of these old uh, Kindles between January 1st and June 30th, 2021, you should be contacted about following credits and offers. While in an ideal world, Amazon will replace every device left without internet con- connectivity, the issue is largely out of Amazon's hands. Mm, yeah, but also, if you have these older devices, you can buy a new one. I mean, come on. It's not like you're going to lose everything. The character carriers have all committed to different time frames when older 2 and 3G networks will go kaput. With AT&T setting the date for February 22nd, 2022, T-Mobile largely reportedly targeting April 2022 and Verizon shooting for December 31st, 2022. Taking those into account, Amazon's December date seems premature, but better to be prepared now than left with the stressful, the less useful e-reader later in the year. You might not remember, since it was the height of the pandemic, but DC Comics and Spotify made a deal. In 2020, they made a multi-year, multi-project pact to make some of their superhero content into scripted audio shows. And we've passed the one-year mark since the deal was announced, and we finally got some news. According to The Hollywood Reporter, the first series out the gate will be Batman Unburied. The Spotify podcast will come from Dark Knight writer David S. Goyer, who has a mixed track record, but many people in the DC Universe fandom have mixed feelings about the guy. However, the biggest news is that Black Panther actor Winston Duke will play the billionaire Bruce Wayne. Obviously, we can't have Wayne without Alfred, who will be played by Jason Isaacs, Isaacs best known for Harry Potter fan to Harry Potter fans and Star Trek fans as Captain Lorca in season one of Star Trek Discovery. So here's the logline. When audiences meet Bruce Wayne, he will be a forensic pathologist working in the bowels of Gotham Hospital and tasked with examining the victims of the Harvester, a gruesome serial killer preying on Gotham's citizens. Not only will the superhero be forced to face his own mental demons, but he will also have to overcome them in order to save the citizens of Gotham's as his alter ego Batman. No release date has been set for the podcast, which will tell the tale over one season. Some sites are wondering if they will release weekly or in batch, but there's no evidence in the past that the service releases everything in batches, not to mention you need to keep the, leader, the listenership constant. Weekly will be most likely how they will proceed. Other DC characters expected to join the podcasting universe in the future include Wonder Woman, Lois Lane, Catwoman, Riddler, and Batgirl. We can keep you. We will keep you updated as new information is released. But we're actually pretty excited for this one. All right, and we've got this one here. <laughs> this one, I'm not surprised. So, well, yeah, I'll talk after this one. So, it isn't hard to believe that Joe Rogan, for some reason, is the most listened to podcast on Spotify. When they added it to its lineup last year, it was a major coup. As of late, it's also become one of the most controversial. That is mostly due to Rogan's choice of guests and his own views. Many have tried to get Spotify to curb his content, but that won't be happening anytime soon. Axios asked Spotify CEO uh, Daniel Eek about whether they should have editorial responsibility over podcasts. Particularly like Rogan's, Eek responded that Rogan is just one of of its many content creators. Axios pointed out that Joe Rogan may have just uh, was just one of them. However, he's also one of the most well-paid. Eck responded that rappers earn tens of millions of dollars of, from the platform, yet 
Spotify doesn't dictate what they can put on put in their songs either, which is such a bullshit argument, and I'll explain later. Rogan signed a $100 million deal with the audio streaming service in May of 2020 to make the Joe Rogan experience available on Spotify to Spotify listeners. Before the years before the year end, the podcast became a Spotify exclusive. According to the Wall Street Journal report from last year, Spotify employees expressed concerns over the materials in his podcast that they felt was anti-transgendered. Rogan has guessed several polarizing figures on his show since it debuted in the platform. They included Abigail Shearer, author of Irreversible Damage, the Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters, InfoWars owner Alex Jones, who spreads who spread uh, coronavirus misinformation on the podcast. Most recently, Rogan said he doesn't think people should get the COVID-19 vaccine. However, he did backtrack and told listeners not to take his advice seriously. In Spotify's most recent earnings report, it said Rogan's podcast performed ex- above expectations. Clearly, whatever he's doing is getting people in to tune in so the company doesn't see any reason to step in. Okay, so this particular one, I have the argument that uh, that Daniel Eck uses is bullshit, and I'll tell you why. He uses the whole oh well we have lots of rappers that come on there and we don't um, and we don't tell them what to do when they come you know on our platform or they make millions of dollars on our platform but we don't tell them what to do that's because Spotify doesn't sponsor rappers and this is and if you like Joe Rogan whatever I don't fucking care um, his argument is bullshit because record labels produce the content that rappers make on their albums. Spotify is simply an outlet for one of those, along with Apple Music, Pandora, iHeartRadio, all those other ones. So they just distribute that content. Joe Rogan, it would be different if Joe Rogan was still independent. If Joe Rogan was still independent and doing you know, his own thing and Spotify was one of many outlets that you can get his, his podcast on, that would be one story. However, Spotify is fucking bankrolling Joe Rogan. So that argument becomes bullshit because you're paying this dude directly to be exclusive on your on your thing. So technically, you are their boss. But here's the thing. We made a lot of money for him. He makes brings in a lot of listeners and probably a lot of paid listeners. There's still the jury's still out on whether these, you know, um, collective people, you know, their exclusives actually make money for the streamer. But he's a cash cow for them. There's like, oh, because of him, because he's exclusive, all these people are on Spotify. We can, you know, we can get all these, you know, ad revenue and all this stuff. It's He's their cash cow. They're not going to stop him from actually doing what they wanted him to do. They knew his reputation beforehand. He interviewed everybody. He's interviewed a lot of people, polarizing people before. He said a lot of dumb shit before. But now because he's on Spotify exclusive, more people have access to hearing his stuff. I've never been a fan of Joe Rogan. To me, Joe Rogan is the pothead Howard Stern. Like if you, you know, like I liked Howard Stern when I was younger. As I got older, eh, it's just it's just not as funny. And I think it's because I've matured, I've gotten older, my views have changed. Joe Rogan to me is if you're a heavy pot smoker, 
he's your fucking messiah. I've tried listening to his show and his ramblings, and I I never even liked Joe Rogan as a comic, or even Joe Rogan when he, you know, was even doing fucking Fear Factor. You know, he's, yeah, I think people listen to him because, I don't know. Honestly, I, I can't understand it. I don't know why people listen to him. I can't listen to him because he just bores me. And in the same way Alex Jones does, people listen to Alex Jones and think like, oh my God, what he said, oh, he's like this. Or people think like, oh my God, he's the Messiah. I love this guy. I listen to him and he just kind of, I can only listen to maybe about 20 minutes, half hour. And then I'm just like, no, I, I can't do it. Because, and it's not even what they say. It's just what they're talking about and what they're saying is just, I, I, I just can't get into it. I just can't do it. Um, so I'm not surprised that Spotify is, you know, taking it up the ass from Joe Rogan because in the end, you know, people may think, oh, well, if, if, if Joe Rogan loses Spotify, you know, Joe Rogan's out. No, it's if, if Joe Rogan leaves Spotify, Spotify is going to be the one that's out. And they just, they just got, you know, call her daddy when, um, became a, um, a Spotify exclusive, uh, last podcast on the left is still a podcast ex- is still a Spotify exclusive. So they're building that brand up of keeping, you know, popular ones on their service. Um, I do want to make this little side comment because I think just the side comment is actually pretty fucking funny. Call her daddy. If you listen to that podcast, you know about the whole back, you know, the whole kerfluffle between, um, between the, between the, the, the former two hosts, you know, the, the partners that were on there. And I listened to both of them and they were, they were good. I liked them. And then the brunette chick listened to, I guess, the guy she was going out with, thought she was popular enough to go out on her own. So she goes out on her own. I mean, I guess she's doing well, but the, you know, the blonde stays with, um, stays with the podcast, does it on her own, gets bigger and actually goes ahead and becomes a Spotify exclusive. I can't help but think about the other chick that boned out and did her own thing. You know, she'll probably go, she'll probably say like, oh, well, you know, I feel free to do what I want and I don't have to do all this. It's like, no, you're, you did, you went out on your own because you thought you could make some serious cash, but it looks like the show you left and the person you left, I think had more of the accolades. She kind of embraced the brand and now is, you know, just made up a huge deal with Spotify. And I, I kind of laugh because I think like, oh, I really just would kind of enjoy seeing her just sitting there listening, seeing her billboards uh, calling her on Spotify and, and just like kind of eating her because you know how, you know, catty bitches are. They just love to just sit there and like stew over someone that they, you know, called out or whatever and is doing something good. So, so that's, I, I, I don't have a whole lot of things to look at in life and, and that gives me a little bit of joy. So, you know, it's the simple things in life, really. <laughs> uh, all right. So lastly, this episode is going to be pretty short. I'm trying to keep them at about a half hour, a little bit under half hour, because I know I can bloviate for a bit, but I want to try to get through these and, you know, let you listen to them for a half hour and then just kind of, you know, go about your week. So my douchebag of the week is is this dude. Uh, props to his prayer group that sold him out. So this is coming from CBS LA. A Huntington Beach man was arrested Thursday morning in connection with the J- January 6th 
attacks on the U.S. Capitol. Security camera video shows the moment just before FBI raided the home of 61-year-old Glenn Allen Brooks, who owns a home remodeling firm in Huntington Beach. Federal agents descended on Brooks's resident just before 6 a.m. with shields up and weapons drawn. One of Brooks's neighbors, who did not want to be identified, told CBS LA that the incident is, sti uh, is still stunning to watch. There were assault weapons, full body armor, like top and bottom, battering rams, like, it's, it, like it seemed like it was going to be something, and they were getting ready for something, the neighbor said. It was actually kind of scary, and I thought it was fake. According to the criminal complaint, a member of Brooks's prayer group first tipped off federal agents back in January when, in a group chat, the Orange County man shared a uh, photograph of himself standing in the crowd with a, um, that had broken into the U.S. Capitol. Court documents show various pictures of Brooks appearing to climb through a broken window and then at different spots inside taking photos with his cell phone. Because you do that when you're committing treason, you go ahead and you, you want to commemorate the, the occasion. Investigators say they compared pictures of Brooks to shot, um, to shots of the January 6th riot, and agents conducting surveillance in March got a photograph where Brooks had the same white beard as the man inside, um, seen inside the Capitol. For his involvement in the chaos that day, Brooks has been charged with unlawful entry and disorderly conduct on restricted grounds. More than two dozen California residents have reportedly been charged in connection with the breach at the Capitol, including former UCLA student Christian Secor. The 22-year-old was charged with assaulting and, or resisting a police officer, among other things. Former La Habra police chief Alan Hostetter was one of six people arrested in June for allegedly conspiring to storm the building. CBS LA attempted to contact Mr. Brooks Sunday, but was unable to reach him. God, I can't imagine why. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sorry, but people... And this is the problem. See, this is this guy here, 61, he's a boomer. And the problem that I have with a lot of these boomers, and even ex Gen Xers, you know, because they're not very technology savvy, your phone, like they they won't take the COVID-19 virus because there's a there's a chip in it and it's going to it's going to monitor them because they're so important that Bill Gates wants to keep track of everything that they do. However, Google and Apple and Motorola and Sony and all of those other companies have already done that and they're using it to take pictures of themselves in the Capitol because they think that we can take pictures and show it on social media and no one's ever going to find out, but that's not how social media works. So you have all these people that do this shit and then sit there and say like, oh, what I want to take the vaccine because they're going to, well, you know, you're, you already have one. You have your phone, your tablet your Apple Watch or Google Watch or, you know, whatever tech you have on you, that's tracking. You already have that. So they already know about you. So taking a COVID vaccine is not going to give you anything because there's a microchip in it. And, oh, yeah, that's another, I think, one of the other conspiracy theories is that um, the reason that there's a, a chip shortage, you know, for computers and stuff like that is because they're using it for the, the COVID vaccine. Now, there's going to be quite a few people that are going to be like, oh, my God, yeah, huh? And there's going to be a lot of other people that are just going to shake their fucking head because they're going to be like, oh, these people are so stupid and believe anything they read on the Internet. Um, yeah. So, hmm. All right. So, you know, big ups to this man's prayer group because 
it's nice to know not a lot of Christians are dumb shits like this guy. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. We want to ditch the ads and be independent uh, editorially, and we can only do that with your support. So if you'd like to donate to make this podcast and all the other shows on the Lazy Geeks Network self-sustaining, you can go to thelazygeeks.com and click on our PayPal donate button. Now, if you can't help us out monetarily, you can share the show with your buddies and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Um, this helps give us bigger exposure, helps us out. It just it it raises our profile so everybody else who goes in goes in there can see like, oh hey, a lot of people like this thing, so they're gonna be more inclined to check it out. So trust me, it does really help. Uh, you can also go check out all the other shows available on the Lazy Geeks Network. Uh, there's the Truly Pointless Podcast. Uh, which is our Stream of Consciousness podcast that I do with Adam, as well as the Star Trek-centric podcast, The Away Team, uh, where we recap every episode of Star Trek in canonical order. Uh, there's also my other show called The Gen Xer Podcast, which basically talks about, um, it looks at situations going on in the world today from a Generation X point of view, and um, also tells you, hey, this shit isn't new. All this stuff has been around, you know regardless of what you guys may think. And all of those are available where you got this show. Now, if you want to be part of the show, you can hit us up with comments, questions, or ideas for future episodes. Uh, catch us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under at the Lazy Geeks, or email us, thegeeks at thelazygeeks.com. So that is it for us this week. So until next time, I'm Stephen Vargas, and we're thinking, so you don't have to. 